I will be reading to you today from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take your bed up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. The word of the Lord, and everyone said? Can you give Carrie and Ryan and the worship team a hand? Would you mind doing that? Thank you, guys. We're in week six of our message series, um, Servant King. It's a study through the book of Mark. And I've titled this sermon today, Don't Miss It. Don't miss it. I will tell you today that I'm not going to be going down through my usual outline where I've got my points and, you know, I've got my sub points and all those things. I just, I wrestled with the Lord over that and and I'm going to deliver a, a message that's a little bit different today. I'm going to do more of a narrative of the story here, of the, of the text, um, because there are things in here I don't want you to miss. Back in the late 90s, there was a, a well-known uh, study that happened where the participants of this study was asked to watch a video. And in that video, count the number of times that the students, some dressed in white and some dressed in black, passed this basketball back and forth. Um, and some of you have seen the study, some of you haven't. Um, but take a look at this study and, and pay attention. Go ahead, Renee. All right, saints of the Most High God, tell the truth today. How many of you missed the gorilla the first time? About half of you. How many of you seen this video before and you knew what to expect, right? Of you that saw this, this video before and knew what to expect, did you see the curtain change? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you see the player leave the court? No, you didn't. I didn't either, and I'd watched it before as well. Have you ever had something really important happen right in front of you, or, or maybe happen to you or for you, and because you were so focused on something else, you totally missed it. You ever had that happen? Here's a key statement I don't want you to miss because I think it sets us up well for our text today. You know, sometimes we can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. Sometimes we can miss the supernatural 
looking for the spectacular. From our text today, I believe this is exactly what happened. So I'm going to set it up by going back to the beginning of, of what Carrie read this morning. From our text, Jesus had made his way back to Capernaum. And as you remember last week, where we left off, he, he had healed the leper. Uh, he had forgiven the leper, cleansed the leper, if you will. And he told the leper not to tell anyone what he had done until he showed himself to the priest uh, for, to make sure that ceremonially he was clean, ritualistically he was clean. He charged this man not to do it, but yet instead this man did just the opposite. He went out and told everyone he could what Jesus had done for him. And what happened was Jesus would, had to, he was forced to withdraw to desolate places and people had to come to him. His ministry was hindered. Do you remember that from last week? Well, I believe that Jesus was, was probably very tired after, after his ministry, and so he had made his way back to, to Capernaum, probably to recover from ministry for a couple of days. But what happened was the people started hearing that he was there. Most historians believe that when Jesus would go back to Capernaum, that he would, he would lodge at Peter's house. So it's believed that that's where he was there. So he was at Peter's house. And this, a typical house in Capernaum would, would look something like this. It'd be comprised, it'd be a house comprised of several rooms. Uh, there'd be a stairway that would normally um, go up the side of the house to the roof. The roof was made normally of grass uh, with reeds or thatch. Uh, sometimes the, the roofs would be made of, of, um, of clay tiles. Luke tells us that this roof had tiles. The place that Jesus was at, based on scripture, was packed out. People had come from all over the place to see and to hear this man. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, that on one of these days as he was teaching, Pharisees, which are the, the upholders of the traditions uh, in, the, in the scripture, and, and the, the teachers of the law, which were the scribes, were sitting there. And they had come from every village, from Galilee, from Judea, and from Jerusalem. And watch this now. And the power of the Lord was there in the room available to heal. Jesus' popularity in his ministry had grown so much. It had grown so fast that, that these religious leaders of the day had come to check him out for themselves. The Bible tells us in, in Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 2, that he was preaching the word to them. And they, some people, came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. There are different versions of the Bible. I don't want you to think that uh, I'm going to speak heresy today, but, uh, and I'm not, by the way. <laughs> Just so you know. Thank you. Yeah. The new elder says, that's good, brother. <laughs> but I believe the, the Bible gives us liberty to, to fill in some of the blanks, to read between the lines. And I believe that, that the Lord, if he was here, he would make things in our modern-day context. And so I want to do that with this story. Um, I believe that based on the way that this story is written, these five men 
could possibly have been brothers. These men had something. Um, uh, they, were, they were really, really invested in the life of this man. And so scripture tells us that these four men came carrying this paralytic to see Jesus, but they couldn't get in to see him. Now, if I was going to modernize this and use the, the PGV, which would be the Pastor Greg version, it, it would look like this. I have four brothers, three four brothers. I have four brothers. I'm a, in a family, or from a family of eight. I have three sisters. I have three older brothers and a younger brother. I'm the fourth son. Uh, tell you a little bit about my brothers, so just to give you some context. My oldest brother, Herb, he's in his 60s now. When he was, when he was coming up uh, back, in the, back in the 60s, he was a rebel, man. I mean, Herb would fight you to look at you. Now, Herb was one of those, you know, black power. He's one of those guys. And I'm telling you, man, Herb had a temper, and he, seriously, if you looked at Herb wrong, he, what are you looking at me for, man? I hit you in your teeth, you look at me like that. <laughs> he would, man, he had a temper. So, so that's my, older, my oldest brother. My second oldest brother, his name is Sam. He's a, he's a football player, big, stocky guy, man. Sam is a no-nonsense, let's-get-the-mission-done kind of guy. And, and, so, and so I can envision my brother Herb and my brother Sam being part of this group. My, my third oldest brother, Ken, he's like a schemer. He's an intellectual, and so he's always trying to, to find the best way, the best solution to solve a problem. And then there's me. I'm just cool. <laughs> just cool, Pastor Greg, you know. And, uh, and then there's my youngest brother, Jeff. True story. My younger brother, Jeff, has MS. He's the youngest of the five of us. About three years ago, no longer than that, no, probably about five years ago or so, my brother started use, losing the use of his eyes. He started going blurry. He wasn't able to think well. He started using the use of his muscles. His arms and his legs grew weak. He could barely walk. He was walking with a cane. We couldn't figure out what's wrong with him. He had MS. Now, MS now today, by the grace of God and through the help of modern medicine, MS is controllable today. But it wasn't back in the day. And so I can picture my youngest brother being that paralytic. And I can picture us four brothers approaching the house that Jesus was in and looking in the house and seeing that it was full and not being able to get in. And I can see my oldest brother Herb saying, man, we are going in and that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, Man, look, let me tell you something. This is Peter's house. You know, Peter, like the, the hothead Peter, right? We're going to walk into Peter's house. So, yeah, man, we're going in. I can see my brother Sam saying, yeah, man, whatever it takes, we're going in. I can see my brother Ken saying, listen, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go up the side of the house, and we're going to get up on the roof, and we're going to open up the roof, you know, big portion of the roof, and we're going to let Jeffrey down on the pallet on the roof. And I, could, and I could see me saying, hey, man, we're going to break open Peter's roof. This is Peter. I could see my oldest brother, Herb, saying, well, I got this, man. I'll handle Peter. 
I got Peter, man. I could see my brother Sam pushing us through the crowd to get to the side of the building and us crawling up to the side of the building. I can see us taking down the tiles and taking away the tiles off of the building. And I can see Jesus. See, and, and me, I'm thinking, man, you know, if we can just get, we can just get Jeff down there to Jesus. If we can just get him down there. I think Jesus will be proud of what we're doing. I think that he will admire what we're doing. I forgot to tell you about my youngest brother, Jeff. My youngest brother, Jeff, is a trash talker. He's like the trash talker extraordinaire. So we're carrying him. He's probably saying something like, hey, man, don't y'all think you need to slow down a little bit? I, I, huh? He did get it from us. <laughs> he got out. My wife on the front row just busted me out, man. <laughs> So, so we're up on the top of the roof, man. And we're letting Jeff down. We're pulling the roof. And I could just, I could just see Jesus sitting down in the middle of the house. And he's, you know, Jesus, I, I know I could just see Jesus was just cool. You know, Jesus is sitting there and he's like, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, blessed are they that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can hear my brother Jeff, easy now, easy now, as we're lowering him down to get right in front of Jesus. I can just, I can see him, and I can see Jesus looking at us, lowering my brother down because we want to have him healed. And I can see Jesus looking at us and saying, wow, I admire your faith. Scripture says when Jesus saw their faith, he turned to the paralytic. He turned to my brother Jeff and said, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith. You know, I love the way that Luke says it, because Luke says it the way that I, that I would see it. I could just see Jesus sitting there, and, he, and we're lowering Jeff down. And Jesus, you know, Mark says Jesus, that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Luke says when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, <laughs> your sins are forgiven. I can just see it like that. Here's the principle that I don't want you to miss. Jesus saw their faith. At some point, family, at some point in our lives, our faith is going to wane. It's going to wane. And we are going to need to be carried by the faith of others. There are going to be times in our lives where, where we are paralyzed with fear or paralyzed with grief or paralyzed with uncertainty. There's going to be times in our lives that maybe we just, we can't move because of current circumstances, and we are going to need to rely on the faith of others to carry us. 
There's a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 24, where there's a man that had a son who had a demon. And, and, and they brought this son to Jesus, this, this young boy to, to, to Jesus' disciples and to cast this demon out, and they couldn't cast him out. And so now Jesus comes up, and they're arguing amongst themselves, and Jesus says, hey, what's going on? And this man says to Jesus, hey, look, man, you know, we brought our, this, uh, my son to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything with him. Jesus says, bring him to me. Found out that this, this young boy had a demon that would seize him and it would throw him down, have him foaming at the mouth and grinding his teeth, and, and then he'd become rigid. Scripture says sometimes the demon would, would throw him in the fire uh, trying to burn him alive or throw him in the water trying to drown him. And this man comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, if you can have compassion on us, help us. Listen to what Jesus says to him. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. And listen to what this man says. He says, Jesus, I believe. I, I believe. I do believe. But my faith is not strong enough right now. I'm paralyzed with the fact that nobody's been able to do anything about this young man. I need you to carry me in this time. Help my unbelief. We are going to need to rely on the faith of others from time to time to carry us when we're paralyzed with the circumstances of our life. When I was growing up, I had a, an older man. We called him Big Daddy. Everybody say Big Daddy. That's what we called him, for real. His name was Elder Ivy Thornton. He was the only grandfather that I knew. I didn't know my grandfather on my dad's side nor my, my mom's side. I never, I, I, we lived in Alaska. I met my, my grandfather on my dad's side twice in my entire life. I never got to know him. But Big Daddy was like my grandfather. And Big Daddy used to preach this message about every three months to the church. You are going to need your brother. You're going to need your brother. I have a question for you. Who do you need to be a big brother or a sister to today? Who, who, do, who does the Lord want you, who, who does he want to use to, to have you step into their lives? Because you know that they're paralyzed with guilt or shame or fear. Maybe it's a relationship that's broken or stuck and they're paralyzed and God wants to use you to bring the solution. Will you be the brother and sister or sister to that person? Will you allow Jesus to commend you for your faith? As a matter of fact, who's God calling you to lift up and carry right now? I believe he's given each of us an opportunity. He's probably given you an opportunity right now, bringing someone to your mind. Don't deny it. It's an opportunity. Don't miss it. Sometimes we can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. Now to our text again. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. 
You guys still with me? Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioning within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he arose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they all, everybody say all, all, all of them, were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Sometimes we can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. Listen, the place erupts with praise. Woo! Look at what Jesus just did. Dude got up off his mat, took off running. They're excited about it. They were so busy celebrating the spectacle and the spectacular that they don't even recognize that the one that they have prayed for, the one that they have longed for, the one that they have waited for for thousands, for a couple thousand years, the one with the authority not only to heal diseases and infirmities, but to forgive them of their sin and to absolve them from their guilt. He was standing right in front of them and they missed it. They missed it. The lawyers and the keepers of the law were so focused on finding fault from Jesus telling this man that your sins are forgiven, so bent on nailing Jesus for, for blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That they missed the truth that Jesus had just told them, I am God. And I have the authority to forgive sin and heal diseases and infirmities of the flesh. He told them. And they missed it. Sometimes we miss the supernatural. Looking for the spectacular. Jesus, don't miss this. Jesus is focused on the spiritual, eternal, unseen things. Everyone else was focused on the physical, the temporal, and the seen. Jesus had already forgiven the man of his sins. As a matter of fact, I'm reading this story, and I'm thinking because in Jewish culture, infirmities and diseases were connected to sin, they connected him to sin. I'm, I'm thinking that Jesus wasn't even going to heal this man because he had already forgiven them, forgiven him of their sins. You guys follow me on that? But he did it because of their reasoning in their heart. Jesus forgave sin first because removing the guilt of sin is not temporary. It's eternal. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 16, running all the way through chapter 5, verse 1. 
So we do not lose heart. He's talking about this earthly tabernacle here. Though our outer, so our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not on the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen, they are eternal. For we know that if this tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with eternal hands, with hands eternal in the heavens. God is focused, family, on the things that matter most, the eternal things the eternal things that supersede the physical, temporary things that we're concerned about. And I'd say it this way. Sometimes we can be so concerned about the temporary physical things that we ignore that God wants to do something supernatural spiritually on the inside of us in our hearts. What is God speaking to you about right now? What's in your heart that maybe you've been hanging on to for so long and you haven't given to him? Something that nobody else can see but him. Something that has an effect on your spiritual life that you haven't surrendered to Jesus. Now is the opportunity what is it that you need to be healed of today? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something physical that you've been trusting God for. I don't know, but here's what I do know. The power of the Lord is here in this place right now to heal whatever it is. Will you stand with me? Ryan, can you come on? In a few moments, we're going to take communion together as a family. Before we take communion, I don't want to presume anything. I don't want to presume that everyone in here is a follower of Jesus and that and that you have rich, deep relationships. I don't want to assume anything. I refuse to do that. You may be here today, and maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know this Savior who is so madly in love with you that he wants to spend eternity with you. He died for you to have that opportunity. Maybe you don't know. you to get to know this Jesus that I know so well. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody talking, nobody walking, this is a sacred moment. Will you give your life to Jesus Christ today, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing? Will you give your heart to Jesus Christ?
If you're here and I'm speaking to you and you're ready to make that decision to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, let me see your hand. Just raise your hand. Maybe you're here and you've been so focused on what's in front of you that you've missed it. You've been so focused on, on something that's not important that you've missed the important thing that's right in front of you. And the Lord took the time through this message to reveal to you something that's glaring, something that's very important that he wants to take from you. He wants you to give it to him today. You can make the decision right now as you're standing here to surrender that thing to Jesus Christ. Do that right now. Don't wait. Scripture tells us the day, Jesus says, the day that you hear my heart, my voice, don't harden your heart. Do it right now. Do it right now. Give it to the Lord. Paul tells us in Corinthians, he says, before we take and observe of the Lord's Supper, that we're supposed to examine ourselves. To make sure that we're taking it with the, with the right heart and with the right motives. So each one of us right now, take the time to examine our relationship with the Lord. And if there's anything that is keeping you out of the sweet spot of his will, open your hands and surrender that to him right now. He'll take it from you. I'm going to ask the elders to come forward. We're going to take communion together. You don't have to be a member of the Light Spring family.